wrapping up this series, and I'm going to take it full circle. Uh, we're going to start Matthew 24, where we started three weeks ago. And I want to show you, you're like, man, you really got off of that. I'm talking about in times where we're at, the things that are happening around us, and showing why this is so important. God has a calling for our lives that is radically different than the world. It goes against human nature. It goes against society. It goes against culture. It goes against what makes sense. It's like, walk through the Red Sea. That, that doesn't make sense. Walk around the walls of Jericho. It doesn't make sense to be thrown in lions. It doesn't make sense. And we look back at all the stories that God has done in the Bible and say, wow, God does things that it just blows our mind out of the norm and doesn't make sense. And then God brings us this stuff in our lives and says, well, I'm not doing that. That doesn't make sense. We wonder why we don't engage in the things. Now, I'm not telling you, God's not going to necessarily throw you in the lion's den. But I'm saying that there's going to be new challenges and new things that come into our life that God says, I want you to step out in faith and trust God and embrace the blessings of God as you do this. We talked about the generosity of our God, of John three sixteen, that God so loved you. His motive was the love of God. He loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. His one and only, his first, the, the illustration, the visual of the outpouring of God saying, I'm going to give you this. And he, the, the whole idea that he gave his best, he gave his all to show the goodness of God, to show the generosity of God and the salvation of God. But we were talking about how when he was teaching and he was having us live this out in the life and he's teaching in Matthew 24, it's like, this is what I came to do, but this is your mission as well. And he opens up about end times and he sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And when shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? Man, they were like, what is this? And he's talking about the millennial reign. He's talking about the end times. He's talking about the tribulation period. He's talking about all these things, about things will be. And he said, well, I'll tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. The sign of what's to come, verse 12, because iniquity shall abound. We went into all what that means about sin exploding and, <clears throat> and distractions in this world and all the things that come around us. He said, because of that, the love of many shall wax cold. Christians are going to be distracted. Christians are going to be pulled away. The things that we're called to, this generous life about giving of yourself, we become selfish instead. We become self-absorbed, making life about me and what makes me happy, what I want to do. The Bible's countercultural. He said, if any man's going to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Bible talks about friendship and going and the love that we show. He says, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. Man, it's a life of giving of ourselves, not taking and hoarding. So he keeps this teaching on and he gets to uh, the next chapter. Turn to Matthew 25, which we're going today. And he's teaching them and he brings this application to them. And we, uh, the passage that I'm about to tell you is probably the most preached passage I've ever preached. But you're going to say, I've not heard you preach this a lot. I preach this passage a lot at funerals. Listen to this. Jesus is teaching. He's talking about the end of life, standing before God, and said in verse 21, And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Well done. You did it. Can you imagine standing before God and God coming in and says, Well done. You talk about a welcome. He's talking about accomplishing, finishing the course of what God has done. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Good, you, you've done what I called you to do. Faithful, you stuck to it. Good and faithful servant. <clears throat> A lot of times we look at well done as um, 
owning our own business, financial wealth, our kids getting a 4.0, them making tournaments and all these different things. That is what we think is being well done. And God is talking about eternal things is what he's talking about. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When my kids were little, I would tell them to go to bed. My instructions for going to bed was literally go to your room and get in bed. And, and I remember uh, Jordan one time, I put him to bed. He was being really quiet, which I should have known by that that something was wrong. Because <clears throat> usually that putting our kids to bed was like a big fight in a war. And I remember going in there after an hour, and I opened the door, and he's standing there, and he just turns and he goes, Dad, I did it. I said, what did you do? He said, I cleaned my room. I organized my bookshelf. I made my bed. I did all this stuff. He said, I, I thought this would make you happy. And I said, no, what would have made me happy is you going to bed. You say, why? It's what I told you to do. And I think a lot of times we're going to stand before God and say, I did it. Man, I did all these things. And God said, but you left out what I told you to do. Yes, there's a lot of good that came into your life. And there's a lot of things that you did that were great and beneficial. But you've got to make the main thing the main thing. You've got to make the priority of your life, the mission that God's done. Thou, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou has been faithful over a few things. He looks back on her life and he says, you've been faithful over what I gave you. You've been faithful over what I put into your life. Have you ever thought what this was all about? It's about what we did with the investments of what God's given us in our lives. It's the parable of the talent is actually what we're talking about. Have you ever thought how cool it is that God put that in conjunction to Matthew 24 when he's talking about the end of times and the end of the world and what shall be the signs of your coming? Because he says at the beginning of this story in verse 14, Matthew 25, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven, he's talking eternal. Can I borrow your minds and talk to you guys about the importance of living for eternity and living for what matters most? He said, the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto him his goods. Jesus is the master. He's going to return. We are the servants. He's given unto us these talents, these abilities. And the talents in the Bible was not just coins. It was wealth. It was the bounty of goodness of God that he was talking about. Verse 15, and he gave one, the, the five talents, and another two, and another one, and every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. And when he had received the five talents, he traded the same and made them over five talents. And likewise, he that had received two also gained the two. He that received the one went and digged it in the earth and hid the Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord who servant cometh and reckoned with him, so that he had received five talents and came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord." He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. He said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Me, thank ruler over many things. Enter in the joy of the Lord. But then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast sown, not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid the talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, 
that wicked and slothful servant. It's kind of harsh. I can understand if he would have just said, Lord, I didn't do anything with it, but hey, I've got it to give back to you. And God says, no, I didn't bless you just to have it. I bless you to make more. I've invested in you. I I gave you. I, I set you up. I equipped you. Not for you to bury it. Not just to sit on it. He said, you're wicked. You know why it's wickedness? Because it's rebellion against what God said for us to do. A lot of times for me to sit there and say, well, I have all this. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do anything with it. God says, you don't understand. You, you, I, I, it's required of stewards. I've given you a responsibility. I've given you a job. Giving you a mission. Visualize what Jesus is teaching us as he's talking about this. Let me put it like this. Number one, we are blessed by the master. Man, he is so good. It says in verse 14, he said, and he delivered unto him all his goods. He, he, he delivered unto him all his good. We, we study how we're called on this mission. We've been blessed with so much. Man, God is good. We sing those songs and man, that should stir your heart. Man, his goodness is running. It's running after me. My life laid down. I surrender now. Man, we're singing out this mission of God because God is good to me. You don't want to know why we should be good to others. You know why I should be gracious to others. You know why I should be generous to others. It's what God's been to me. I'm the go-between. I'm the conduit. I'm I'm the water hose where I'm I'm, I'm tapped into the the source, but I'm delivering it to the world. I'm just, it just goes through us. We are the funnel where the blessings of God comes through our life and goes to those that need it. That's what we are. We're not hoarders. We're not collectors. We're ambassadors. We're servants. We're stewards. We're managers and overseers of what God has given us. One of the greatest blessings, and I mean this with all my life, one of the greatest blessings that I have in my life is my kids. Absolute blessings. God's blessed me with an incredible wife, and God blessed us with three incredible kids. Do you know what one of the coolest things would be for me? And you guys will identify this. My kids are getting older now. One of the coolest things I could possibly ask for is God keep my kids close to moving out of my house but staying close around me. Does anybody else know that? I don't want my kids moving off somewhere. And some of you say, my kids drive me crazy. I get that. I know that. And sometimes my kids drive me crazy as well. I get that. But one of the biggest blessings that I can have is my kids to say, Dad, I'm getting a job in Columbus, Ohio. Praise God. Jordan comes to me and he says, Dad, I really feel like God's calling me to do more trips to the Philippines. So my next trip is going to be three to six months. I just... He doesn't know what guys, he does construction. He wants to go over there and do construction. He had a trip planned for last year. COVID blew that out. He has one, trying to do one for this year, but COVID's challenging that one. In my flesh, I'm sitting there saying, I don't want my son to be 10,000 miles away. God reminds me, it's not my son. You sit there and say, he is your son. Let me tell you, you I, I get the blessing and the joy I get the great joy of being the father to those kids. But at the end of the day, let me tell you, God gave me them to raise them, to send them for the glory of God so they can say before God, bringing the people that they reached with them to say, God, I did it. And God to say, well done. You took what I gave you, invested it, and made more. And I'm, I'm preaching on the big aspect of life. I'm not just talking about winning ball games. I'm not talking about just making money. 
I'm not talking about just making it through life. I'm talking about thriving in life and serving God in such a way that you really, really realize what your life is all about. We have a generation right now that is being ripped off by the world. Life is empty. Life is flat. Life is not that abundant life that God promised you. And to be able to feel something in life, to feel alive, to feel something of this, we have to turn to the garbage of this world to try to bring stuff into our life to feel something. And God said, if you just get a hold of the life that I've called you to, you realize how blessed God has made us. The master has blessed us so much. God is so good. I look at my life, and I look at my home, and I look at my job, and I look at what I get to do, and I look at the people that I serve at, and I look at you guys. I don't deserve this life. But I serve a master that has blessed me with the goodness of God. And I've got a responsibility with that. That's the next thing. We have, we're not only blessed by the master, we have a responsibility with our blessings. I should say we have a responsibility with his blessings. The reason that this passage ends with well done is because it determines what we do with what God has given us. Do you guys get that? We're, we're talking about the, the, the passage of talking about finishing life and hearing the words well done. Do you want to know what well done is all about? Verse 16, and he that received the five talents went and traded the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two also gained two. Uh, that looks different. If, if it's your time you invested in things that matter, that will replicate. Because I'll tell you, that's what we do as Christians. We're, we're here to make disciples. Do you know the, 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 what's better than seeing somebody come to know Christ? You say, there's nothing greater than seeing somebody come to know Christ. There actually is something greater than seeing somebody come to know Christ. Seeing two people come to know Christ. That's the only thing better than that. And and that's the idea that God has given us. It's just not a matter of, I'm saved. God says, well, take that and go teach somebody and show somebody and see what God's going to do through that. One received five. God trusted him with five, and he used five. Too much is given, much shall be required. One received two, he used two. Who too much is given, much shall be required. The one that had one, you wonder why he only received one. He's wondering if God's saying, can I, can I trust you with just this one? And the Bible says in the end of that passage, but he that received one went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Did you keep understand what he was saying? He kept his Lord's money. It wasn't yours. It was given to you for a responsibility. Luke 12, 48 says, For whomsoever much is given of him, much shall be required. God says, I bless you. You understand it's required, required, required. This is what you do. This is what you do. It's required. There's a requirement. God says, I'm going to give. You know the passage we're talking about, give and it shall be given unto you. When God gives to us, you have a requirement, an obligation to invest whatever it was, whether it's the five, the two, or the one, to invest it in the work, in the ministry, in the purpose of God. And remember what we said, that doesn't mean that you don't live your life. Man, God blesses our life. Your children is your ministry. Your house is your ministry. Your neighbors is your ministry. Going on vacation is part of your ministry. Just don't leave out God in any of those or the work of God included in that. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, moreover, it is required, he says it again, of stewards, of manager, of God's money, God's possession, God's time, 
can a man be found faithful? There's three people mentioned in this parable. Two obeyed and one did not. The question is, when we stand before God, which one will be? See, there's a principle that we've got to understand in this. We are responsible to make God first in all the things. In all things. See, there's a principle that we have to understand. I think we don't start with stewardship, understanding this basic principle that God's taught us. Now, let me just give it to you. This is, if God says this is how it works, then it works. And I, I say this all the time. We have a manual. This is our manual for life. God says this is how it works. You put things together. I, me and Logan the other day were putting together a basketball goal. And we tried to do Have you guys ever tried to do it according to the picture? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I don't need that instructional manual. I'll just do it according to the picture. And then you have parts left over and it's not working right. Then you have to take it back apart to make it work. Because you you're not supposed to be wise in your own. The Bible has given us this manual and says this is how it works. Let me teach you guys in a passage. This is how it works. In Revelation 1.8, he starts off with, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I've preached on this before, but understand the principle that God is teaching. I am the first. God is first. God was first from the beginning. God is to be first in your life. God will be there at the end, but God says your entire life, God should be first. Revelation 22, he said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He sends the Bible again, saying that I am to be first. Begin with God. God is to be first in everything. Let's just do this principle with this. Should God ever be second? Should God ever take the back seat? Should God ever be put off to the side? And we would sit there and say, no way, not my God. In no aspect of my life should God be second. God shouldn't get leftovers. God shouldn't be second in everything or anything of our lives. We would proudly and boldly say that. <clears throat> Let me illustrate this from the very beginning of the Bible. The Bible's talking about Cain and Abel, the first two kids that ever lived. In Hebrews, it mentions them. By faith, Abel. Listen, by faith, Abel. The passage we're talking about in this passage right here is talking about by faith. Abel, offered unto God. We're talking about giving. We're talking about stewardship. We're talking about generosity. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain, which obtained the witness, which, which he was saying, which, which obtained the witness that he was righteous, God testifying his gifts, and by him being dead yet speaketh. Who was able? What did he do? Why was this important? Why would he be emphasized as being one that gave and the faithfulness of what he gave? Well, you guys know the story. God rejected one of their offerings and not the other. What was the principle behind the one being good and the other one being not? Genesis chapter 4 verse 2. And, he, and again, and she began again to bear his brother. And Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought, listen to this, of the fruit of the ground, offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock. Do you guys see the comparison of what God was saying? One gave of his bounty, the other one gave the first. Now you say, what is the principle behind that? It's simply like this. It's by faith. Go back to a day and age that they didn't have Walmart and, and grocery stores and Kroger to run up to. If they had a sheep and they only had one sheep that was born, that was really vital. It was really important. Not knowing if there was going to be more sheep to come. So he took that first sheep, the only sheep that he had, the beginning of it, the first, and he came and offered it unto God. 
Now the other child came and he had all the crops. He had all of that. And the Bible says he gave all of that. The principle that he was teaching is God must be first. You think about this with the Bible promised uh, Abraham that he was going to bless him with the, the sons of the sands of the sea. He said it would be as number as the stars in the sky. No child, no child, no child. And then he had one. God has that one, and he said, I promise to give you more after this, but what do you have to do first? God came to him and asked him to do this crazy thing. He said, asked him to lay the son on the altar. He said, well, God, I only have one. That's faith. I only have one, but God must be first. God said there's plenty to follow, but God must be first. God gave back to him, but you understand the principle is, is God first? Is God the priority? Is God number one? Does God come before everything else? Or do we put everything else in our life? And if there's anything left over, then oh, we'll give that to God. If we do that with our time, if there's anything left over, oh, we'll give that to God. God's saying, I will not bless your life and living your life when I'm the last thing that gets attention, the last thing that gets money, the last thing that gets your time. The Bible made a principle. Jesus was teaching in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God was making it very clear. God comes first. God deserves, God is to be the preeminent in our life, which simply means that God is to be first in our lives. We want God to bless our business. Then we're constantly putting off God's business. There's only one place that he belongs. It's only one place that the king, the master, the ruler, the creator that can be in our lives. He's got to be first. So I asked you this question. And I'm just being real and honest with a generation that struggles. Because we, we are a generation that I've never seen struggle so much. Everybody's like, I can't keep my head above water. And I don't know why God's not blessing my finances. And I don't know why God's blessing my time. And I can't keep up with life. What is wrong? And God says, well, where, where, where do I rank in your life? Well, God, if I have time, it says, no, I should be first. I, it, Lord, if, if it works out with my money, well, God says, I should be first. The whole Bible, everything that God teaches, the priority is God must be first. Why is it that we struggle with this so much? See, we have a responsibility also to be generous with what God has given us. When I, God gives us, and, and I, I'm saying, and I, I, I use that illustration here a minute ago, I was talking about what we to the world that is lost and dying, and we take the goodness of God and we just generously give to them. People, love, forgiveness, all the different aspects of our life, the generosity. Does that make sense in our world? People say, what's the catch? You know, everything, you do something kind for someone. What's the catch? You know, what do you want for this? What are you doing? You know, it's constantly that. But when you give with no strings attached and you say, I'm just giving generously, they're like, why are you doing this? That's what God did for me. I'm just pointing to the generous God that's done everything for me and I pass it on to others. We've been called to the generous life. You notice in verse 16 when he talked about the five talents and what did he invest? He didn't invest two, he didn't invest three, he invested all of it. Because it all belonged to the master. Not just some of it, the one that had two, he also gained the two because he invested all of it. See, let me put it like this and let's just break it down like this. Do you put God first in your time? Is God first in your time? And I mean this. Do you give God of your time at all? 
You, you think about your week and you're saying, no, that belongs to me. Do you realize that God has the preeminence in every aspect of our life? We talk about talents. One of the most valuable things we have in our life is our time. I, I, I've thought about this when it comes to even discipleship. You know how the Bible says that iron sharpens iron? You know what I'm saying? That's how you, you take two pieces of metal or two knives and to make them stronger, knock off the edges, they have to come in contact. And the more they come in contact with each other, they, they sharpen each other. That was a principle that God taught us. You know, the problem is today we have a lot of dull knives because we don't have time to invest in other people. You know, you, you should spend time with people. You should be part of a life group. You should be part of discipleship. I'll be honest. I just don't have the time. I'm going to ask you, what is taking up all your time? Now, don't get me wrong. I struggle with time just like anybody else. I look at my calendar. I'm like, holy cow. But let me tell you this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what happens And all these things shall be added unto you. God is the author of time. Where is God in your talents? Let's put it like that. Now, it's not only time, but where, do you, where does God fit in your talents? Because when we think about what we're willing to do with, you say, man, I'm a salesperson. I've got a personality. I can talk to people. Do you use that for God? Or is it just to make money? You play instruments. Do you use that for God? Or is it just for yourself? We could go down the list. If God's giving you talents and ability, God gave it to you, be used for the glory of God. All of these things are important for us to understand. When it comes to time, if we don't have an hour on Sunday for God, we need to reevaluate what's wrong with our time. Here's one that I know makes people uncomfortable. Do you, do you give of God of your money first? Or do you give of God of your money at all? We get upset when preachers start talking about this. I'll tell you what, I've been in church my whole life. You want to know the number one thing that makes people uncomfortable in church is a pastor talking about money. Because he gets labeled all the time. It's like, all he cares about is money. If you know me as your pastor and as a preacher, you know that that is not my heart at all. So do not label me in that way. But I'll tell you what I am. I am a preacher of the gospel and I'm a preacher of truth. And if the Bible talks about money, so will I. And it shouldn't make us uncomfortable. The Bible talks about the love of money being the root of all evil. If you love money so much that it makes you upset for a pastor to talk about it, you better check your heart of what's, what's so sensitive about that topic. Now, I can understand there's TV evangelists that will get out there and say, bless God, give me $10,000 and I'll send you a rag that he cried over. Okay, I get that there's that kind of stuff out there. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about scams on TV. I'm not talking about TV evangelists trying to get your money. I'm talking about obeying the truth of God's word. And a lot of times we get so worked up on it, we justify and say, there's so many TV evangelists and preachers out there living in million dollar homes and why people are living in poverty. And we'll justify our disobedience by their disobedience. Be careful not to justify you not doing right because somebody else is not doing right. The Bible talks about money more than most topics in the Bible. Over 2,000 times finances are mentioned in the Bible. It is a big deal to God. Because it, it, it is how everything funds and runs in the world today. And God has a ministry and a plan for it. And the last thing that we talk about is, is, is talking about that we get into the debates about the tithe of the Old Testament. It's 10%. God said 10 And then people say, well, that's Old Testament. We, we get so caught up on these things, talking about law and grace. Let me put it like this. Malachi, but the Bible talked about the closing of the Old Testament. was talking about the tithe of the 10%. We go into the New Testament and all of a sudden we talk about grace. 
where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Everything that God talked about was talking about exploding in the goodness of God. God talked about you have to give 10%. When he showed up on the world, he gave his life, he gave his all, he gave his best, and he gave his first. It wasn't about how little, it was about living generous. It wasn't about holding back, it was about letting go. It wasn't about just what you have to do, it's about what you get to do. It was about living the generous life because you lived the principles of the New Testament. You give and it shall be given unto you. You go back and it shall be given unto you. You can't outgive God because he's got a mission and he's going to do it through his people. This is not wealth and prosperity gospel. This is not name it and claim it. This is about live it and give it. This is about obedience. This is about living from your heart. This is about doing right. This is about trusting God. It's about putting God first in all these things. Let me put it like this. When you talk about tithe, put it like this. Tithing was the training wheels of generosity. It was God just teaching you how to get up on your own two feet so that you could soar in this area of living it out. We make it about a number. You think about what the Bible taught us about this principle. God starts teaching in the New Testament about the widow. What did she give? Her last might. She gave the last of what she had. You talk about the woman that anointed the feet of Jesus. Break time. The Bible said that she should be a memorial for future generations. That ointment that she had was the value of a year's worth of wages. She comes and she breaks it on the feet of Jesus. She gave her best and she gave her all. And we argue about 10%. And God says, I'm looking for you to hold back nothing. And I'm not talking about giving up everything that you have. But I'm talking about understanding that you have a God that is faithful, faithful, faithful. And will supply the need if we would understand the generous life that he's called us to. They started asking, should we can forgive somebody seven times? And Jesus said, how about seven times 70? The Bible says if somebody asks you to go a mile, you go two. If somebody sues you for your coat, give them your shirt and your coat. Do we see the life that God's called us to as a life of generosity? Not of have to, but a get to. See, why is this so important? Because we can't be blessed if we're hoarders of God's blessing. If we take and bury it or keep it or hold it to ourselves, then we are that wicked and slothful servant that God talked about. I worry about the future of the church. Not of the lack of the power of God or the movement of God whatsoever. I'm not saying that. There's stats that prove that the bulk of the faithful givers and churches today There's those in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Those are the faithful, outright tithers and givers that support the church to move it forward. And when you look at the younger generations, and I'm not saying everybody. Don't put everybody in the same category. There are some people that are being all in and all out. I know that. There's a lot of people that go above and beyond, and we should go above and beyond because that's what God's called us to. Uh, But I'm saying that there are those that have become so focused on what we do in life and our possessions and our house and our this, and we'll sacrifice so much. Listen, I'm just being real. We'll talk about needs in our life. I need an iPhone 12 because I only have an iPhone 11. That's the needs we talk about in our life. I need 5G. I need high speed. I need a Venti, not a Grande. I need Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. I need the newest Switch and the, the you guys, you guys get what I'm saying. 
When we look at what we have, we will sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice for what we need. We've become very, very stingy when it comes to the things of God. And we wonder why. Here's the thing. If God must be first and God's called us to be first and we praise God and we sing songs on Sunday and say, you are number one and you are my all in all and I surrender all and I can trust you and the goodness of God is running after me. And then we give God our leftovers if he gets leftovers. When we count up our finances and we'll pay this and we'll do this and we'll pay this and we'll have this subscription and Spotify premium and Hulu this and go to the movie theaters and $5 for popcorn and $10 ticket and we go all out for these things and say, well, I know the church talks about giving, but we just have nothing left. God never meant to be the one that gets the leftovers. God never meant to be the one that gets the last. Where did our priorities go with God? Do you understand these are spiritual disciplines that God put in our life? And I'm going to be labeled the preacher that talks about money. No, the Bible that talks about money. I'm the messenger. I'm not out to boost my salary. I'm out to be an obedient service of what God's called us to. God has called us to living this life. And it breaks my heart because at the core of it, we sit there and say, man, if we just got another stimulus check, man, we would be doing life better in life. No, if you stop giving God the scraps, you'll stop living on the scraps. There's a difference in our lives. Man, to keep God first and, the, and, and to do what he's called us to do. You say, where do I start? Let me just say for some, you just need to start. If you give nothing, give something. If you give something, give consistent. If you're giving consistent, man, start tithing. If you're giving tithing, man, learn to be generous. Just start. Those baby steps of obedience, of calling us into that. And let me tell you, as we do, God will bless you and God will bless the ministry because I don't know how much time we have left, but I'm telling you this, I know the command, seek ye first of the kingdom of God. He is worthy. Somebody say, why do you give? Because he is worthy. My, my God is faithful. And I'll tell you, we can say that word, but you realize that when we give, we're practicing the obedience of the faithfulness and the calling that he's given us. When I was a kid, I remember $10 being a big deal. $10 was a big deal. And I would go work for my dad. He did construction. He'd have me clean up the whole construction site when he was at the end of the job. Then he would get paid. He did a lot of things in cash. He sat in the truck with me and he said, all right, I'm giving you $10. He gave me a five and five ones. And he sat that there and he said, let me show you something, son. My, my, my dad was not the preacher type guy, but he was a man of God that loved God and wanted to do what's right. And he said, how much of this belongs to God? And he, he taught me this principle. Everything belongs to God. Now, God takes care of your needs, Tony. And God's going to allow you to do. What do you want to buy? And I said, Dad, I want a brand new pair of jeans. I remember that's a big purchase, the, the first big purchase that I made. Now, I'm telling you, say, you, you were getting 10 bucks. No, I, I wasn't getting Levi's. I was going to Walmart, okay? I was getting Member's Mark, okay? That's what I was going to get. But I was thrilled to death because they weren't hand-me-downs. And my dad sat there and said, don't forget to put God first. Remember putting that money in my pocket that belonged to God and the money in my pocket that belonged to me. And I grew with that. And I grew with that. And I had that principle from me, when me and Jenny got married. We were matter of when we figured out our finances. We did not start with our rent. We did not start with our uh, subscriptions. We did not start with our car payment. We started with God. You know why? Because God is first. 
Not in my words, not in my songs, not in my sayings and the plaques on my wall, not in the posts and the memes that I post on Facebook, but it's got to be in the practice of our life, in my time, in my talents, in my energy, in my resources. God has to be first because he's worthy. You are blessed by the master. You have a responsibility with your blessings. We are blessed according to our generosity. I'll say this, and I've said it before. It's not name and claim it. Man, people that sit there and say, man, I claim that, that Corvette in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be driving that one day. And God says, you can't even give me a dollar on Sunday. You're going to claim that in the name of Jesus? You don't tell God what to do. You don't bully God through your prayers. <clears throat> God is good and God is gracious, but there's principles that God has given us in his Bible. It's not name and claim it. It's live it and give it. It's obedience. It's the preeminence of God. The Bible says in Malachi 3.10, let me, let me tell you this principle that he was talking about when he was talking about the law and moving us in the grace and not have to but get to, but the principle of giving the 10 was still there. Bringing all the tithes into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house. And prove me there or herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know the principle that God was saying? Generous living has a generous return. And it's not a matter of sitting there saying for the hookup of God. It's not a matter of you give just because of the fact is that you want the hookup of God. It's a matter of understanding that God funds his work, that God funds what he does, that God has the supply. The same way that the children of Israel could go back to God for the manna every day. God wants us to understand to live on the manna of God. That God always provides. Like I said, we get so leery of hearing messages like this because we're so leery of what we see on TV with these evangelists that have made a, a, a God into a marketing thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when God says the promises of God, of the generosity of God, give and it shall be given unto you. Luke 6, 38, but it doesn't stop there. There's a follow-up with that. Listen to the rest of the verse. It says, given it shall be given in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's how God promised. You say, man, I'm just barely making, I'm just scraping by. I don't understand. You, you left out the power of the Most High. The divine touch of God in your finances. Say, God doesn't mess with my finances. God is over everything, everything, everything in your life. Not just your salvation. If God can save you from damnation of eternal hell, God can take care of your finances. And if you can't trust him with your finances, I don't know how you're trusting him from your eternal damnation from hell. Because God is bigger than a dollar bill. God is more powerful than these things. <clears throat> he said, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Sow, give, live generously, shall also sow and reap and receive generously. It's just obedience. It's just a principle of God. As you receive the things of God and you give grace and you give love and you give mercy, God comes back and God gives us grace, love, and mercy. So we give of our time and our energy and our talents. God blesses us in a way that only God can. And generous living also has an eternal reward. He said in verse 23, And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
thou hast been faithful over a few things, make thee, I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You don't earn your way into heaven, but I'll tell you, the Bible talks about us casting our crowns before the feet of Jesus, about us using what we have to be soul winners and to reach people and to invest in missions and to invest in the things that matter. We're not bringing Hulu with us. Your, your, your Spotify account won't matter. Your, your iPhone won't matter in heaven. None of that stuff matters. And <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. I have an iPhone. I have these things. I have these resources. But at the same time, I'm not going to leave God out. God must be first. Obedient, faithful servant is what he said. I've tried to instill this into my kids. It's hard. If a kid doesn't learn how to give to God out of a dollar, he won't give out of $100,000 when he has a job. If you can't learn to be faithful with $5, how can God trust you with 10? It's the same principle of the two and the five and the one talents that they had. You realize that the more that's given, the more shall be required. So Logan had a birthday. He's getting older. I think he was like eight years old. <clears throat> Here he is. Got a hundred bucks from grandma. hundred bucks is a lot of money. Go in there. He's so excited. He's planning out all the things that he wants to buy and all this other stuff. And I go into Logan. And I say, all right, bud, who comes first? Who comes first? God. And so, so he's used to whipping out that dollar. And I said, no, no, no. You have a hundred dollars. <clears throat> Let's break this down. And he pulls out a $10 bill and he's like, Dad. I'm like, no, son. He was like, Dad, not $10. And I'm like, son, the more God blesses you with, the more we give. That's just how it works. He's just wrapping his mind around. So here it is, the testing ground. We're going to church. He has his money in his pocket. So what are you going to do today? He says, Dad, I'm going to go to class. I'll give him my money. Finish. He comes out to the car, sitting in there. I said, Logan. Did you give that $10 today? He said, Dad, I didn't. I was like, oh, no, here we go. He said, Dad, they actually told a story about a missionary. And this missionary is doing all this work, and they needed money and stuff. So I didn't know if it was okay. I gave 20 instead of 10. I was like, dude, that is awesome. It wasn't awesome because it was 20 bucks. It was awesome because he touched was touching his heart to understand that God's work is important and the fact that God blessed him to bless others and God blessed him to bless others. So proud of him. Me and him were getting ready to go on a trip. It was literally the Sunday before we would go on the Sight and Sound Theater. We have a group in our church called the Prime Timers. When it's not COVID, we do fun stuff. In this group, we were getting ready to go on this trip. It was one of the first ones. Jenny couldn't go. So I asked Logan, I said, you be my sidekick. We'll do this trip together. So I, I'm up in the front driving the bus and he's in the back with all the prime timers of our church. We get off the bus at the first stop. We're going in the Starbucks to get coffee. And somebody says, Logan, come here. I gave him five bucks. I was like, that's pretty cool. He came in and was like, dad, I've got this one. He bought his own coffee, thought he was hot snot. Okay, he's a big boy now. Buying, buying his own coffee at Starbucks and stuff. So we get back in the car and somebody from the back says, Logan, come here. So I heard the Logan come here like 10 times. I'm like, what is going on? It's like, well, there was a, a, a bus full of grandparents and he's the only grandkid, you know, little chubby cheeks and everything. So here we are, we're doing this trip together and everything. And then we get back to the hotel that night and here's, he's on the edge of the bed, just counting out all this money. Just like whipping out. I'm like, dude, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he's a pit pocket. God, I'm so sorry, I failed. Ripping off all the older people in our church. And he said, Dad, it was the weirdest thing. 
All day long, every one of them kept coming up saying, here's some spending money, buddy. Here's some spending money. Here's, and he was also, I got a bag of candy and I got this. And I'm like, first of all, you're splitting that with dad. <laughs> Secondly, he said, you remember when last Sunday you said, dad, I didn't want to give the 10 and then God touched your heart and you gave the 20. I said, God blesses those that bless his work because that's how it happens. You realize that what he can do with that money that he has now is he brings it back and he gives it. And God loves a cheerful giver because you're given from your heart and you see the work and you see the kingdom of God and you know what it's all about and God has the preeminence in your life and God's number one and God's not getting the scraps and the leftovers which shows that you value God and you put God number one in your life and you're not sitting there saying we have no money for this and this and this and we're sitting there hoarding everything from God and wondering why it doesn't work. It does not work to hoard from God to bury your coin and to hold back. Our God deserves better than our leftovers. And I say that when it comes to your time. I say that when it comes to your ability. I say that when it comes to your resources. Live the generous life. And God is able. Let me read that verse again. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, the generosity, the outpouring, the grace of God of you receiving not what you deserve. That he always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. God has the supply. He said, I will abound to every good work. I have all sufficiency. I have all that you need if you would just trust and obey. I'm asking you not to walk out of here and say, Wow, that preacher talked all about money today. I'm talking about the goodness of God. I'm talking about the responsibility that I have. I'm talking about the fact that I'm called to be a steward and an overseer of the blessings of God and the fact that my father, my master, has, owns everything and has all supply and he's rich in all the blessings that I'm needing to fill out my life and to live out my life. I just don't want Christians in this day and age living on the leftovers. Because you're tipping God instead of blessing God.